bells ring Are you listening in the land? Snow is drifting A beautiful sight We are happy tonight Walking in with the wonderland Gone away is the bluebird, yeah, to say, is the bluebird. He sings a love song as we go along, walking in the winter wonderland. In the matter we can build snowmen. Pretend that he is Boston Brown. He'll say, Are you married? We'll say, No, man. But you can do the job when you're in town. It's Christmas Eve, everyone. It seems that um, trying to get me in the mood for Christmas, and this is a lot coming from the Christmas lady. I'm more of a Merry Christmas from the crooners. <laughs> I love croony music. Walking in the winter wonderland. started a little bit rocky again. Uh, Funny how that works. Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, This is the Christmas Eve show. Uh, We're going to talk um, about stuff. (laughs) I like to say stuff. I want to talk about this uh, impeachment. I also want to talk about a very serious arrest uh, that seems to be coming on the heels of some very powerful people. Uh, that have worked with this person, so it's pretty interesting. I also want to talk about what's going on. Remember, it's Christmas Eve. I know most of you are probably cooking, wrapping, cleaning, or drinking because you're going to see your your in-laws. Um, but there is so much going on right now, and where do we pick it from? And you're going to say, but I don't see anything happening. It's been happening. We've been talking about it here for... I would like to say over a year. Well, we are talking together for over a year. 
interesting. We're seeing a lot of things manifest, you know, just kind of like we talked about in October and in July, where we talked about the meetings between Cyprus and Israel. Now it was announced that they're going to be working together, though they forgot to mention that the U.S. is involved in that as well. And we can thank Secretary Pompeo for that because he was the vessel that brought it home. So I think maybe we should talk about the impeachment hoax a little bit. And the reason I'm saying it is to fill in and answer any questions people might have. You know, they're doing a great job putting the stuff out, but they're not really putting the stuff out. You know what I mean? Even the right conservative or those that claim to be real news. Because as you could see, it's drip, drip, drip. Oh, maybe the McGann thing. It's drip, drip, drip. Oh, maybe this. It's drip, drip, drip. Pelosi didn't have enough to peach, impeach President Trump. Drip, drip, drip. And you're thinking, why are they doing this? Why don't they just come out and say it? Why is everybody saying something else? Why can't everyone just be consistent? It's like this. It's like that. Facts are not gray. They're black and white. Remember, months and months ago, I told you, <laughs> Uh, Daniel Jones, Diane Feinstein helped Schiff get everything he needed. I told you it was a wiretap. Totally is a wiretap. You know, I could be a fly on the wall or something like the loaf of bread following Adam Schiff everywhere. You know, I'm just saying. We already know what's going on. The thing is, even if you do, this is, this is the dangerous part. Don't take comfort in the fact that we know what's going on, okay? Just because we know what's going on and that we're steps ahead and that we're mitigating, okay, doesn't mean that we're safe. Because no matter how many times I'll travel forward and see or how many times, you know, people try to usher it so that way it corrects itself, you have to remember the thing about individuals especially nefarious ones, is that they will do anything when they're being threatened. Their power is being removed. So that's what you've got to think about. Imagine if you had all that power to redirect and correct the path of reality that is being formulated as a whole. And then that power is being taken away from you. Nothing, nothing is off the table. So just because we know, we can see, we can foresee, we can listen, and we can watch, we can never see inside someone's thoughts. And the nefarious ones usually don't have any underlying motivation. There are many times in my life where I have been across from people that are evil, across from people that act in very odd ways and that, you know, are just evil. But always in the back of your mind, there's an explanation. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like, and, and, in, and I'll tell you what, right now that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure out thoughts. I'm trying to figure out why for things, right? For things, just general. And something that's really cost me my clarity. 
there's always a method to someone's madness. You've heard of that. There's always a motive. Everything is motivated. But when it comes to evil people, the motivating factor can be obfuscated by their sheer panic. This is exactly what we're seeing from the radical leftists. I think it's um, most nicely put where they're talking about new impeachment articles to compel McGahn testimony. You're thinking, wait a minute, but you already voted to impeach him. How are you making articles again? Right? Doesn't sound logical. Doesn't sound right. But again, I told you, nothing is off the table. No matter how we can see clearly where we are going, no matter how many alternate slots in from parallel realities merging, emerging, nothing is off the table for them. It's like um, a drowning man. If he's drowning, if you're not an expert, he'll take you down with him. And even expert swimmers can be taken down by drowning people because as they drown, they'll take anything with them. I think that's rule number one for anyone that's done a lifeguard duty is stay away from their hands. They'll take you down with them. And not because they want to kill you, but because they're in sheer panic. And it takes one slight turn, one slight finger, one slight wave of your tr swimming trunks or, you know, flopping around. This is why bathing suits that women wear when their lifeguards are very specific. It just takes one little misstep that everyone is imperfect on to just go down with the drowning man. So don't take comfort just because we know, just because we're steps ahead, seven months to be exact. Don't take that as a nothing and sit back and relax. You must take part of your nation. You're a shareholder. You should be speaking every single day. Your voice should be heard every single day. Because if your voice is not heard, then one will be appointed for you and nobody cares if you don't like it. Now listen to their new impeachment articles that they're discussing. Judiciary Committee making the case for why they still need to hear from again in a new court filing. They say his testimony could provide more evidence, potentially, leading to new articles of impeachment. But the White House is claiming executive privilege. Meanwhile, both sides are sounding off over rules for a Senate trial. Do you think Chuck Schumer is impartial? Do you think Elizabeth no. Warren is impartial? No. Bernie Sanders is impartial? So let's quit the charade. This is a political exercise. A political exercise. All I'm asking of Schumer is that we treat Trump the same way we treated Clinton. Senator McConnell has come up with no good reason why the trial shouldn't have these witnesses or documents. He does a lot of name calling. He does a lot of partisanship. He still hasn't answered the question. What is wrong with witnesses? What is wrong with documents? One argument, Leader McConnell, give us one argument why they shouldn't be part of the trial. Mark Verda is our man in Washington this morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning to you, Leland. Lawyers for the House Judiciary Committee say they're not ruling out impeaching the president again, 
but that the decision depends on what lawmakers would learn from a former White House official. Now, for the last several months, House Democrats have demanded former White House counsel Don McGahn testify. The White House has been blocking that, and this issue has been making its way through the courts. And in a new filing Monday, lawyers for the Judiciary Committee argued McGahn's testimony is vital to congressional oversight. This is what the lawyers wrote, quote, if McGahn's testimony produces new evidence supporting the conclusion that President Trump committed impeachable offenses that are not covered by the articles approved by the House, the committee will proceed accordingly. Now, earlier this month, the Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler said impeachment was not a one-off and not a punishment for bad behavior. It's also unclear, though, what additional impeachment articles Congress could consider in the future. Meanwhile, the stalemate over last week's impeachment articles continues. The House has not yet sent impeachment to the Senate. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says that's because Democrats are unsure what kind of trial the Senate will conduct. And Senate Democrats, they have been speaking out quite a bit in the last 48 hours. They're trying to pressure the majority leader to allow new evidence and witnesses be introduced in a Senate trial. It's hard to imagine a trial not having documents and witnesses. If it doesn't have documents and witnesses, it's going to seem to most of the American people that it is a sham trial, a show trial, not to get at the facts. President Trump is weighing, on, weighing in on about all of this on Twitter this morning. He wrote, quote, everything we're seeing from Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer suggests they're in real doubt about the evidence they've brought forth so far not being good enough. That was the. OK, so let's just stop right there. Just one second. So you heard them. They're thinking of adding more. They haven't sent them over. Schumer's like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. Pelosi's like, well, I don't know what kind of trial the Senate's doing. And it's like, girl, stay in your house. You've got the gavel there. Mind your business. This is separation of powers. You do not come over to the Senate and say, this is how you're going to do it. Right? You can't. So here we see President Trump tweeting out this morning, Everything we're seeing from Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer suggests that they're in real doubt about the evidence they've brought forth so far not being good enough. Well, it's not that. It's not that. He continues to say, and are very, very urgently seeking a way to find some more evidence. The only way to make this work is to dot, dot. Listen, they can't bring forth the evidence. If they bring forth the evidence that they have, they self-incriminate themselves. There are so many flies on the wall. We see everything, even in the skiff. They just can't see it. And the thing is, is what they need to understand is they're up against the wall. They thought they could make it so. In one reality, we've seen it play out on The Simpsons, right? We've seen that reality. But the thing is, when you've seen it, what do you do? You correct. It's kind of like saying you see a ball coming to your face. What do you do? You see that the ball is traveling. Are you just going to stand there? You're going to duck. And when the ball goes over the he your head, you're going to see, was that a good move? Maybe if you duck, it hits the wall right behind you and knocks you back in the head. So the next time you see a ball coming straight to your face in an alternate parallel, you veer to the right. You see where the ball goes. It does bounce, but you have moved to the right now and it can't touch you. So you've avoided that ball. Next, 
You see a ball coming this way. You see what I'm trying to say? Every single time they throw a ball, we have to predict how that ball is going to respond. Seven months ahead. So here they are, they are with their back against the wall. I mean, remember, I broke that story about Pelosi going down to Jordan, trying to negotiate with the king of Jordan, trying to get him to say something about the president. This is just how disgustingly low they are willing to go. But, you know, not news. And a lot of people are talking about all this information, like so-and-so was arrested for these companies funding Hillary Clinton, Nader. Dude, that's the tip of the iceberg. I haven't talked about it again because I already talked about it a while ago. It's like the news is catching up. That's what I'm trying to say. Their biggest, I would say, achievement right now is mesmerizing you with a news cycle that suits them. Like I said, imagine in October when I came out publicly, because I was like, someone's going to say it, someone's going to say it, someone's going to say it. And I've told all the blue check marks. And I know they listen to me and take note. They should have went with it. I mean, it's been a whole year. Look at my show from the 24th of December. Just how on point is it, is it with right now? Look at my show from the 23rd of December. Look, 18th of December. I mean, okay, coincidence. On the 18th, I'm talking about Judge Collier. On the 18th, she responds and then resigns. It's a total coincidence, of course. The thing is, if we let... The shadow government, the global shadow government drive the news cycle, then we lose. Like I said about Eric Ciaramella, seriously, you guys, I said he was a decoy. Anybody that went after that dog was, was wrong. They want a decoy, kind of like Judge Collier. I told you, that is when the cover-up started. Again, I don't even trust the people that come forward. Because they didn't come forward the right way. And yeah, they came forward, but anybody would at some point when they don't have much to be bought on. I mean, well, well, let's just let this evolve. The president on Twitter about two hours ago, Senator McConnell says negotiations are ongoing over how a trial will go. But he says really his hands are tied until the House sends over the impeachment articles. Leland, never a dull moment around here, even with the holidays. Impeachment still the talk of the town. Back yeah, yeah, politics doesn't even stop for Christmas these days. Mark Meredith, yeah. thank you very much. We'll check back in with you. Okay, so here's another clip that I want to play for you so you can understand where we stand. And this is with Trey Gowdy. Now, one thing I want to tell you is that what we visualize and what we see is that many people, when they switch sides, when they change their etiquette, oh, I don't want to say etiquette. Ooh, shall I say their moral obligations? Would that be okay? I guess, right? They also bleach their hair. It's kind of like a cleansing thing. I've seen it. I mean, remember, what kind of hair did Kanye have when he met President Trump? I'm just saying. So I, I, I think it's important for people to, to understand that portion of it. Um, so, yeah, speaking of Trey Gowdy. Uh, so there is a... Um, clip from Fox.
where Trey Gowdy was talking about the impeachment impasse and how Pelosi is crying for fairness. Basically, he's, he's talking about how Pelosi is delaying the Senate impeachment. Why is she delaying it? Because there's more tricks that, they, like I said, nothing is off the table. So if nothing's off the table, all of you should be concerned as to what it means that there's more, that there's more coming. Um, I won't go into Trey Gowdy right now. Um, I won't play that clip until after the break. But I wanted to say, about a week ago, I tweeted a picture of a woman. This woman was in disguise when she went and met with the president to brief him just to show him how good she is. People will say, oh, yeah, you know, she worked for the CIA. She, she's this, she's that, you know. <sighs> you don't get it. This is what they're doing. They're teaching people of just how good they are. So that way when you see the truth, when the truth is staring you in the face, you question it. You understand? Because a lot of the people that we see now aren't really real. I know that sounds really bizarre, right? But think about it for a second. How many people are really real? I mean, the truth is stranger than fiction. The truth is so far out of the reality that we've constructed as facts that it's really difficult for people to fathom it. You know, the president said this morning that, uh, you know, the only way to make what they're doing to work is to put some public pressure to demand witnesses. But Mitch McConnell has the votes and he could do whatever he wants, right? Think why he said that. Deception. Think why he said that. Public pressure. Well, the public has been pressuring. The majority has been pressuring, but no one's voicing the majority, are they, guys? Do you feel that the conservative media is really doing you a service? Think about it. Is the conservative media really doing you a service? If they're not, tell them. If they are, tell them. Again, if we had this conversation in October about the wiretap, there wouldn't have been an impeachment hearing. But that is how you can see where people lie, where people lie in regards to their morals, their compass, and their selflessness. Because I've said it before, sometimes I get salty, you know, I don't get credit. But I, I don't need spotlights, I mean, especially at this time of my life, seriously don't. But regardless, it's all about getting the job done. It's kind of like, you know, so many times when I walk outside of the supermarket, I buy a bag of groceries and there's a guy there who looks like he hasn't eaten in days and I just hand it to him. Do I sit there and put it all over, oh, look, I did this? No. Because this problem exists everywhere and it doesn't matter. As long as everybody does their part and it gets fixed, that's what counts. So it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's about getting it done. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show Christmas Eve edition. 
All right. So we were talking about deception. We were talking about these articles of impeachment that are pretty um, odd. We were talking about, um, you know, the way they drive our thoughts and feelings. And I'm going to show it to you. Because, you know, this was something on the table that wasn't really seen, listen, till two weeks ago. Remember three weeks ago when I said, gosh darn it, there's another reality coming out of this. I don't know what it is. But you know what? Three weeks ago, I had the worst thing happen to me. Uh, you know, for me, myself, I'd fly in front of bullets for my children any day. I, you could turn me into a colander. I'd be totally fine with it. So any, let me just say it was the worst thing and my mind still wasn't working, still isn't. I'm still a little bit off my game. But my math told me there was another emerging timeline that was totally unexpected and a week ago I was like she's part of that timeline I saw it I knew it I had it but I was like I could have started telling you about it but then it wouldn't be like oh let me show you how I already know what's coming today is the biggest one and it hits down for Christmas this is what's crazy we don't even see it how they manipulate every single human being on the planet manipulated manipulated we'll get into that after we finish with this impeachment charade i want you guys whenever you listen to the news it's really really hard sometimes because even those that claim to be telling you the truth which they may and may not those that say we're not going to be giving you fake news anymore it's going to be totally straight they're not they're all interest driven even the right news are interested in the right stuff you know, we've got the Democrats that want to uh, create the monopolies and create socialism and have a totalitarian government once again on a global scale. And then we have the Republicans. They're like, no, 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 everything should be corporate governed, less government, which is also not a good thing. We need something in the middle, right? When we have so many civilizations and so many different humans and, and versions, you know, living together because if you find that middle ground is where the sweet spot is when there is respect i mean if we all followed the 10 commandments seriously guys there would the world would be such a better place but greed and more so the want of power is what is the drug here that drunk on power that ability to be more powerful than another, to feel like a god. It was kind of like, what was that horrific comedian, Michelle Wolf, right? Who sat there and said, oh, I play god because I do abortions. What's up with that god? See, I can do it. That's not funny. Unless you've seen down to the Armstrong level, right? Magnification 25, 30 times and see just how perfect Millions of cells work in harmony. You, you can't even fathom how divine we are of creations. You know, I tell my kids all the time, you know, even though you see yourself as a solid, 
You're not. You're millions of cells, skin cells, osteo, you know, okay, take it off the science level. Skin cells, blood cells, uh, bone cells, hair cells, gland cells, all these cells smushed together, connecting with the most smallest connections of, okay, I'm not going to use official terminology. I want to make you guys see it with your eyes. When you can fathom down to that structure, these little, little hairs, these are not even hairs. You can't even see it with your naked eye, the connections they have. And they all harmoniously move together. And then all over your body, did you know that your, ex like your skin, the largest organ in your body, has 99.9% bacteria? And then they tell you, use hand sanitizer. They just want to make you sick. I mean, soap is good because we don't need the dirt. We just don't need that extra level, right? But I'm just saying, think about it. We are the most perfect creation. And then when you take it down even further past the cells, all you see is a bunch of atoms vibrating and moving together. That's exactly where you are. You're not a solid. You're not one thing. And around you is not one thing. That coffee cup, that coffee, that you know, computer, your phone, they're all a bunch of atoms. We're just a mesh of atoms. We're all connected. We're all connected. We are all brothers and sisters per se. Yes? Because we're all connected. It's just that we've created the distance with fillers, right? Fillers like air, fillers. It just... That's a really big concept for people to understand. But once you do, you can understand how that can be manipulated very easily. So let's play this clip with Trey Gowdy. Listen. Gowdy is former House Oversight Chairman and a Fox News contributor. Great to have you here today. Let me first start off by yes, asking you, do you agree with the White House that it is untenable for the Speaker to just hold the articles of impeachment over at the House and never send them to the Senate? Well, Dana, if he really is an existential threat to the republic, if he really has committed conduct that should result in his removal from office, then mm -hmm. why would you not go ahead and send it on to the Senate? I mean, the Constitution gives the House no role in deciding how this trial takes place. It is exclusively within the, the province of, of the Senate. So um, I, I think most of my fellow citizens will see through this Let's hurry up and impeach him and then sit on the indictment for God knows how long. I think most people are smart enough to see through so that. So I think one, one of the things that she's saying is that uh, the Senate has not proven, and Mitch McConnell hasn't proven, that it could be a fair trial. First listen to Senator uh, Durbin of Illinois. I think they've gone too far. Uh, you know, how can they hold their hands up and say, I swear impartial justice, I'd like to sit at the manager's table with the president's team. You can't do that. Uh, they shouldn't have done that. Well, but Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, he's, he was also out and about yes, uh, this morning, actually, and this is what he had to say about that. First on the impartiality issue, do you think Chuck Schumer is impartial? Do you think Elizabeth no. Warren is impartial? No. Bernie Sanders is impartial? So let's quit the charade. This is a political exercise, a political exercise. All I'm asking of Schumer is that we treat Trump the same way we treated Clinton. Trey, one of the problems, I think, in all of this is that the, the language is the same. So you have tried cases in courtrooms where th that trial looks very different from what a Senate trial would look like. 
I wish this were a judicial proceeding, but keep in mind, Dana, if it were, then Adam Schiff would not have been leading the investigation. Mm -hmm. Sixty House Democrats would not have made up their minds before the first syllable of the Mueller report. I mean, you had Eric Swalwell investigating the president while he was trying to become the president. So you would never have that in a real judicial proceeding. I wish that it were like a judicial proceeding, but it's not. The jury has already made up its mind. Even Dick Durbin, who's now calling for impartiality, has already passed judgment on the credibility of the witnesses. He said the president's conduct was beneath the dignity of the office, and he was incredibly troubled by it. That does not sound like an impartial, objective, dispassionate Juror. I mean, how many of the senators, how many members of the jury are actually running to take Donald Trump's job? You would never have that in a real judicial proceeding. So Mitch McConnell's right. This is a political trial, not a judicial trial. If it were a judicial trial, none of what's happened up to this point would have taken place. In the meantime, we had the Horowitz report that he's the inspector general of the Justice Department, very critical of the FBI and also putting in doubt the future of FISA and the FISA court. Take a listen to Lindsey Graham yesterday on that issue. We're going to look long and hard at FISA abuse. We're going to pass laws to make sure this never happens again. Accountability will only be successful if somebody gets fired, and I'm looking at Christopher Wray uh, to fire somebody at the FBI, and somebody needs to go to jail, and I'm looking at Durham to hold people criminally accountable for the laws they broke. What do you think of what's going to happen to FISA, and do you think it's still a necessary tool for law enforcement? I do think it's a necessary tool. Uh, I think the policies uh, are only as good as the people implementing them. So what was it, 2018, that, that some House Republicans wrote the FISA court, and we also raised issues with the process, and, you know, the D.C. media said, isn't that, isn't that cute? These crazy little House Republicans have a problem with FISA. Remember, Donald Trump, on the morning we were going to vote to reauthorize the surveillance program, sent out a very negative tweet, which yes. required Pompeo to run to the yes. White House and try to fix it. So the Republicans are already skittish about these surveillance programs. If the court and the media and the Democrats do not take Horowitz's report seriously, I mean, Lindsey Hawk, I mean, Lindsey Graham may be the most hawkish member of the Senate when it comes to national security. If he's troubled by it, then imagine where Rand Paul and some of the other Republicans are. Before we let you go, let's get your thoughts about John Durham. So he's a U.S. attorney who is tasked with the overall report of how this uh, whole Russia investigation began in the first place. So he doesn't just look at DOJ, he also looks across the board. Um, at the intelligence agencies and more. And there's an article in the New York Times today, basically, there's questioning, like, should he have weighed in on the Horowitz report? And attorney Kevin O'Connor, you might know him, he's of Connecticut, he said, it's fair to characterize what John Durham did as unusual in terms of his past practice. And I don't know what the rationale was, but I know John well enough to know he did it because he, not the AG or anyone else, thought he had an obligation to, and this was when Durham basically said, I don't necessarily agree, or I don't agree with the conclusions of the Horowitz report, and wanted to get that out there. Your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think prosecutors are in a tough spot. You want to maintain the confidentiality of your investigation, but you can't allow something that's going to persuade the public uh, to be imprinted in their consciousness before you issue your report. So, I mean, it's a close call. Keep in mind, Horowitz, Barr and Durham, what they're saying, the difference in what they're saying is measured in inches and not yards. 
I think Horowitz is saying you had enough to start a full counterintelligence investigation. This conversation in a bar was enough, as low as it was. Durham is saying it was enough to start a limited investigation, but not the full investigation. And Barr is saying, I'm not even sure it was enough to do that. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, Dana, this is a drunken conversation in a bar. The threshold to start an investigation is exceedingly low. These three guys, all of whom I have respect for, mm -hmm. are just viewing it a little bit differently on whether or not that paucity of evidence was enough to do what they did. And believe it or not, I actually understood what you meant about being measured in inches and not yards. It is football season after all, and I saw some of that yesterday. Oh, geez. Okay, let's stop there. All right, so what we have is uh, the news and Trey Gowdy telling you pretty much that they don't have much. Their plan was just to, just to waffle in and congest our discussions and to congest um, what the facts are. But what's interesting is, and we have to think about it, is that they were able to classify, to compartmentalize, to obfuscate, to not allow us to see their crimes. Like, they had the power and they've had the power to conceal all their crimes, to hide them, right? Because they have the power of the media. They have the power of Hollywood, of music, of art, of supposed journalism. It's entertainment. It's not really news. Of fashion, home improvement, advertising, all those things that we look up to all those things that we really need and want. Technology. Everything. That is how they would obfuscate what they're doing. That is how they could hide their crimes. Those in the highest offices that are there to investigate, to audit, to make sure that they're not doing it are their ultimate weapons. So imagine now, with all that power to hide their crimes, <laughs> to even be applauded for their crimes, right? That's how nasty they were. They're losing that power. Do you see how nothing is off the table? Now, today our president had a conference video call with military officials. Five branches were represented, and what was awesome was that there were six, you know, windows, and there was one black one in the center that was directly across from the president. We didn't have a picture there, but I can tell you that branch was listening. And so they had a discussion, and then the president had a Q&A. Take a listen. That's good. All good, right? Do you fly others yes, other, sir. other than the Reaper? Do you fly others too? No, so not our unit specifically. The the two here at Whiteman though flies the B two. Right, sure. That's a big one. Good. Thank you very yes, much, sir. Lieutenant Colonel. Thank you everybody. Who's the nineteen year old? Tell me. Who's the nineteen? Raise your uh nineteen the B nineteen. Not so bad. Good. Have a good time. Thank you. Great yes. job. Did you hear that? Again. 19 years old. We'll talk about it at the end of the show because tomorrow on Christmas Day, that's going to be my present to you so you can see 
a little bit more so you can see a little bit more. That's my Christmas present to my listeners tomorrow. So remember that. Show me the 19-year-old. The 19-year-old was flanking the highest-ranking officer. The 19-year-old was flanking the highest-ranking officer. I'm going to say that again, okay? Merry Christmas, sir. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we'll go now to the Coast Guard Air Station in Sitka in Alaska. And Captain Michael Frawley, if you could say a few words, and Merry Christmas to everybody. And I'm going to skip over that. Hold on. But uh, they're the most, most powerful weapons in the world. And unfortunately, lethal, and hopefully we never have to use them from that standpoint. We hope never to have to use them. But we're going to have them very soon. We already have some, but these are beyond anything that anybody's ever seen before, the submarines. So I want to thank everybody. I want you to have a great Christmas. I want you to have an incredible New Year. I think we're poised for tremendous uh, success in the United States. And uh, enjoy all that new equipment that we're getting you. It's all made in the USA. Very important. Made in the USA, every bit of it. So thank you all very much. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kim Jong-un is threatening a Christmas surprise for the oh, world. Oh, that's okay. We'll find out what the surprise is, and we'll deal with it very successfully. Let's see what happens. Uh, everybody's got surprises for me, but let's see what happens. I okay, let's just play that question again, you guys. Super important. We'll talk about Christmas surprises. My Christmas surprise to you will be tomorrow's show, allowing you to see a little bit behind the curtain. So you understand. Remember, 19 years old, flanking the highest officer in that room. One thing I just wanted to tell you before he answers that, the camera that was facing the president so that the military officials can watch, I want you to go see it. Fox live-streamed it. It's 32 minutes and 29 seconds. So when you're off work, when you're ready to go into the shower, or when you're just sitting down and having that neat whiskey tonight, when you're wrapping presents, I just want you to take a second and watch how that camera, that webcam, swings toward the media. It literally swings and it's facing them. So you have to ask yourself, who's watching? We'll find out what the surprise is, and we'll deal with it very successfully. Let's see what happens. Uh, everybody's got surprises for me, but let's see what happens. I handle them as they come along. So you saw that. These are great people. Our military is now uh, replenished. We were totally uh, depleted when I came into office, and it's, uh, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. What's happened, and you see these incredible people. We have the best in the world. So it's totally replenished. Uh, new equipment's coming in on a daily basis. It's being made, all made in the USA, and our economy is the strongest it's ever been. What options are you considering, Mr. President, if it does end up being a long-range missile test? We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll, let's see. Maybe it's a nice present. Maybe it's a present where he sends me a beautiful vase as opposed to a missile test. A beautiful vase. I'll answer that question after the break. But his eyes lit up. He smiled. A beautiful vase. Right. 
I may get a massage. I may get a nice present from him. You don't know. You never know. Are you going to pardon Roger Stone, Mr. President? Say? Are you going to pardon Roger Stone, Mr. President? I don't understand the question. Uh, Roger Stone, are you going to pardon him, sir? He's been convicted of felony. Am I going to pardon him? Well, I hadn't thought of it. Uh, I think it's very tough what they did to Roger Stone compared to what they do to other people on their side. I think it's very tough. I think it's a very tough situation that uh, they did something like that. You know, Roger Stone was not involved in my campaign in any way other than the very, very beginning before, I think I, long before I announced a little bit. I've known Roger over the years. He's a nice guy. A lot of people like him. And he got very, he got hit very hard, as did General Flynn and as did uh, a lot of other people. They got hit very, very hard. And now they're finding out it was all a big hoax. They're finding out it was a horrible thing. It was, we were spied on. My campaign was spied on. And again, Roger Stone was not a part of it, uh, the campaign. He was uh, somebody I've known over the years, but not a part of the campaign. Uh, very, very, very early on, long before, I think long before I even announced, he was involved in a minor way. But he's a good person. And what they did to him is very unfair, in my opinion. And what they did to General Flynn is very unfair, in my opinion. And what they did to so many others is very unfair. And now we found out they're a bunch of dirty cops. And uh, paid for by the DNC, paid for by Hillary Clinton in many cases, and in much. They did a phony dossier. They used the dossier for FISA. And now, as you know, the FISA court and your top judge is very much involved. And hopefully they're going to do something about it. But these were dirty people. These were bad people. These were evil people. And I hope that someday I'm going to consider it my greatest or one of my greatest achievements, getting rid of them. Because we have no place in our country for people like that. Sir, what did President Putin say to you that convinced you that the Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election? What did he say to me? Yes. About what? Did, what did President Putin say to you? You're putting words in somebody's mouth. Who are you referring to? Me? I never said anything about it. I never said a thing about it. Right, any other questions? Are you concerned Pelosi will hold up the Article 2 impeachment indefinitely? Well, all I know is my poll numbers are the highest they've ever been. Our fundraising in the Republican Party, the highest it's ever been. Uh, Let's just rewind that. Evil people, and I hope that here we go. Involved in a minor way, but he's a good person. And what they did to him is very unfair, in my opinion. And what they did to General Flynn is very unfair, in my opinion. And what they did to so many others is very unfair. And now we found out they're a bunch of dirty cops. And uh, paid for by the DNC, paid for by Hillary Clinton in many cases, and in much. They did a phony dossier. They used the dossier for FISA. And now, as you know, the FISA court and your top judge is very much involved. And hopefully they're going to do something about it. But these were dirty people. These were bad people. These were evil people. And I hope that someday I'm going to consider it my greatest or one of my greatest achievements, getting rid of them. Because we have no place in our country for people like that. Sir, what did President Putin say to you that convinced you that the Ukraine interfered in the 2016 election? What did he say to me? Yes. About what? Did, what did President Putin so say to you? You're putting that? words in somebody's mouth. Who are you referring to? Me? I never said anything about it. I never said a thing about it. I, any other so they asked the president, what did Putin tell you to convince you that the Ukraine meddled in the election? He's like, excuse me? Yeah, what did he tell you? Who said that? You're telling me? You're putting words in my mouth. I never said that. President, do you concern Pelosi will hold up the Article 2 indefinitely? 
Well, all I know is my poll numbers are the highest they've ever been. Our fundraising in the Republican Party is the highest it's ever been. Uh, she hates the Republican Party. She hates all of the people that voted for me and the Republican Party. And she's desperate to do. Look, she got thrown out as speaker once before. She lost like 63 seats, 61 or 63. Tremendous, a record-setting number of seats. I think it's going to happen again. She's doing a tremendous disservice to the country. Uh, she's not doing a good job. And some people think that she's, uh, she doesn't know what she's doing. A lot of people she doesn't know what she's doing because that's what happens to corrupt individuals. They panic and nothing's off the table and they will do anything to maintain power. And that is exactly where we're at. That's the thing. That's exactly where we're at. After this break, I'll tell you this new parallel timeline and why they're withholding these articles of impeachment to be passed over. We'll continue with the other questions that he answers, walk into that, and drop a lot of hints for tomorrow's gift from me to you. See you all in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So now what I want us to do is enter the realm of President Trump's words and mind. So far, we heard him talk about North Korea, where they said, oh, they're going to do a missile test for Christmas. And he said, who knows? I might just get a vase. Well, well, I'll break down to you what that really means when it comes to diplomatic relations because, again, the past always proves the future. He talked about, they asked him about Roger Stone and everyone, and he kind of just skirted, like, because what's there to pardon? They didn't do anything wrong. Pardon? <laughs> Let's see. General Flynn has been undergoing sentencing for how long? <laughs> Let's just remember that. The only one that they were able to nab and stick in the corner was Manafort so far, okay? Getting him for stuff for 20 years ago, so nothing to do with Russia. Then they tried to entrap the president, right? So recap, oh, what did Putin tell you? Like, how do you, not, nah, nah, nah. uh, never said that. Ukraine, you need someone to tell you, all you have to do is follow the money. And now we're talking about Pelosi. She has no idea what she's doing. They're in pure panic mode. They don't know if they're coming or going. And they activated another timeline, which looks really bad. But in the end, I mean, even that one drops off. I want you to picture the central line of how time is supposed to evolve and what events are supposed to happen. And then picture this thing that comes out like a random fart, right? That's just going super far to the left. And it's like peaking but then it completely drops and collapses back into the center. So I don't know if they are just buying themselves time to be able to find uh, a remedy to expand on that and make it a more um, majority timeline. Just saying. Kind of imagine it, right? 
that if if indeed there was a shift in that, we'd have some form of um, Mandela effect. See, they say Mandela effects are because there were shifts or it's another reality or it changes. Shifts happen and they merge. Uh, This is scientifically shown. And again, time is perceived. Time is like art. It's in the eyes of the beholder and you command it. And when you realize that time is something that you perceive, things are a lot easy to move. You can experience the past, present, and future all in one go. All in one go. That should be a very emotional roller coaster and make someone very, very strong, yet at the same time the most vulnerable because they know the outcome and they know why the outcome happened and they are living the outcome at the same time. Imagine that, right? So let's talk about this um, timeline right after we finish with the president telling the media (laughs) what's up. And I will try to increase the volume. I promise I will sit down over the weekend with um, the sound expert, Scott, so that I can figure out what's going on. Um, But if anything, I will repeat it. And during the podcast, if you want to listen to it yourself at that point, uh, I, I, there's this great person who, out of his own goodness of his own heart, helps me amplify and streamline uh, the show so that I can upload to you guys. So take a listen. People think that. A lot of people have said it. They had no evidence at all. They had no crime. We had 196 or so Republicans voting 100%. We didn't lose one Republican vote in the House. We had three Democrats come over to our side, and two in another instance, two in an additional instance. And we're in a very good position. Uh, ultimately, that decision is going to be made by Mitch McConnell, and he will make it. You know, he has the right to do whatever he wants. He's the head of the Senate. People remember, they treated us very unfairly. They didn't give us due process. They didn't give us a lawyer. They didn't give us anything. Now they come to the Senate and they want everything. You look back just two weeks, just look back at what they did. But over a long period of time, look at what they did. We weren't entitled to witnesses. We weren't entitled to lawyers. We sat in the basement. Uh, They would leak everything. They would leak it. We weren't entitled to do anything. They would leak selectively with a sick, corrupt politician named Schiff. He's a corrupt politician. Uh, No, they, uh, they treated us worse than anybody's been treated from a legal standpoint in the history of the United States. It's never happened before, where you can't have a lawyer, you can't have a witness, you can't have time. You didn't have, even recently, when they had the constitutional lawyers, they got three lawyers, we got one. Fortunately, our one lawyer was better than their three. And we also had a much better case. We, had, we have a perfect case. I say it again, we have a perfect case. They had no case. But they had three lawyers, we were allowed one. They had three. Think of that. They had three lawyers, constitutional lawyers, and each one spoke for an extended period of time. We had one lawyer. Uh, what do you think of that? So now they get to the Senate. And now we have the majority. And it's up to Mitch McConnell. And we have the majority, and now they want McConnell to do wonderful things for them. I mean, he's going to do what he wants to do. Very smart guy, very good guy, and a very fair guy. But they treated us very unfairly, and now they want fair, fairness in the Senate. Uh, They ought to look back at the last year to see how they've hurt this country. 
Fortunately, we have a president that was able to uh, plow through all of the stuff that went on and goes on. And also, tremendous amounts of information are being written about, even by the fake news, uh, concerning Pfizer, concerning dirty cops, the people that started this whole thing. What they've done to this country is incredible, and hopefully it's going to be taken care of. The Attorney General is working, and everybody's working, but if you just go, because I like to stay out of it, and I do stay out of it, if you just go by what you see in the papers, uh, it's incredible what's going on. We had dirty cops, we had people spying on my campaign, they did terrible things, the likes of which have never been done in the history of our country. It's very sad. All right, have a good time, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Brad. Merry Christmas, everybody. He said Merry Christmas and just walked off. So let's just talk about this for a second. Aside from the fact, let's just go to the whole McConnell first, right? So Mitch McConnell, he could do whatever he wants. He's in charge of the Senate, period. They could, you know, say anything they want. It's just not happening. Okay, he's in charge, so they're just going to have to deal with it. Done. The vase now. Did you know that from ancient times, when ambassadors from other countries would visit other leaders, they would take vases? Now I know this because I've, I'm, I'm the type of nerd <laughs> that would go to these countries uh, overseas and go into their libraries where you open up stuff with gloves, right? I've had that privilege. And I remember seeing from the island of Crete in Greece when I was there in Suda, I remember seeing documentation of ambassadors from Crete on behalf of the Greek Empire, which we don't hear a lot about, traveling out to Egypt to meet with the pharaohs. And there they would exchange gifts. And their gifts were always that of precious gemstones carved into vases, silver and gold. Not money-wise, but as a gift. Because the vase, vaso, vaso is the Greek word, means I put, I contain, vessel. A vase is representative of a vessel. And a vase was always, from the ancient times, a demonstration of where miracles can happen. That's why you'll see a lot of people say uh, the vessel is what's important. There's actually, uh, and I hate it sometimes when they do that, there's like a, a quote. Actually, I met someone because they wanted to use my quote. There's people that actually put my quotes. Seriously, I'm not joking. That, you know, from various speeches over time, and my name is completely uh, spelled wrong. I don't know if I could change it, but let me just find it for you. There's a quote that I talked about vessels. Oh, maybe a decade ago, and someone had contacted me via Facebook saying, I want to use your quote for my book. They're a botanist in Florida. She's actually someone I follow. She has like a radio show talking about flowers. And there was one quote, because I love talking about vessels, 
that the cargo's importance is defined by its vessel. So how important something is to you is defined by the container you put it in, right? How many of you store bijou fake jewelry in like whatever box, right? You throw it on your counter, you put it, but that which is most precious, you put in a carved wooden box, right? Because the importance of the cargo in that vessel, the vessel is a box you put it in. You can see how important it is. Now I'm going to go through and find it. Um, Hmm. It's famous quotes. Wrong spelled first name. Last it's like textbook first name. Um. Gosh, there's so many of them. I didn't know I had so many quotes. <laughs> um. I can't find it. But it was more about uh, embracing the vessel that you're in, and. Just highlighting, oh, I, I, hey, I found a nice quote that I had said that is very important here. Ah, and President Trump uses this a lot. Ah, this is from the IDC 2013 conference where I spoke. Embracing your mistakes and highlighting your flaw disables your enemies instantly. Very good one. Wow. I guess we have emergency responders listening to Tori down in Louisiana when I go. All right. So the vessel. So what do you guys think North Korea can offer us as a vessel where miracles can happen? Think about it. That's all you need to think about. What can they offer? What vessel can they offer us? that's going to provide miracles. Hmm? That's just one thing we need to kind of just think of. You know, it's, it's pretty important. Because here we have a lot of things going on in the background. Like today it was announced that Greece, Cyprus, and Israel, and the U.S., and it was really weird that the Times of Israel literally put a picture up they had, uh, I, I tweeted it out. They put a picture of, um, you know, the the backdrop where they were all like shaking hands that they're getting into their pipeline, which we already paid for, by the way. I'm just going to tell you with our tax money, and we loaned it out through the World Bank too. Um, it says uh, Greece, Israel, Cyprus, and it, literally it says plus USA. So we got to thank Pompeii on that. We got a lot going on. Turkey suddenly being humbled out of the picture. War is brewing and deals are being made. And here we have the media trying to obfuscate the, the rubbish that's happening. Now, yesterday, Millie Weaver, who I simply adore the way she puts things together. Like, this woman knows how to speak. And um, she's obviously got a great producer. But... She puts in a part that I think we talked about a um, long time ago, and, and she talked about yesterday. And I want to play that portion of the clip to introduce you as to how things are being done. I want you guys to know how things are being done. 
So I'm going to play the first bit and then the last bit. Take a listen. I mean, it's, it's a pretty stellar report. Here we go. These skirmishes being played out between the Trump administration and the deep state. But you would never know it because the mainstream media doesn't want you to know. And the alternative media is too wrapped up in infighting, engaging in cancel culture, etc. Many people are like, when are people finally going to be held accountable? It's actually happening right now, right in front of us. I was able to confirm what sources had alleged, namely that there really wasn't a whistleblower who had kicked off this impeachment inquiry and that the Intel Committee Chairman Adam Schiff was actually getting information from a wiretap. The alleged whistleblower and testifying witnesses with secondhand information were used to give witness testimonial credibility to ill-gotten information. This was verified by Schiff revealing telephone call information he had obtained on the president, his personal attorney Giuliani, the Intel Committee Minority Chairman Devin Nunes, investigative journalists like John, John Solomon reporting on the Ukraine, and others. The call information provided by Schiff in the impeachment inquiry more than suggested the what, where, and how Schiff had obtained the phone call records. Later that day, after I published my report, Laura Ingram had Sarah Carter on her show to discuss the developments regarding Adam Schiff's spying on the president. This is what they had to say. A knowledgeable source tells the Ingram angle tonight that not only did Schiff get dirt from the secret subpoenas that he sent to phone companies, he also got help from the NSA. Now I'm going to stop it right there one second. You guys all know that we were right here on Red State Talk Radio in September and in October talking about that. And you all know that I drop all my information to these right conservative journalists, but... They don't seem to report it on time. See, they report it after the fact. Just wanted to point that out. So what we knew before three years ago when we discussed the expansion of the NSA under the Obama administration and how they allowed for basically spying on attorneys, spying on clergy. I mean, this is incredible. Spying on what on we what consider basis? privileged journalists. Now what we're seeing is that Adam Schiff has taken this to the next level. And what he did was then expanded that put it out into the report, and then used all the secondary contacts that he wanted exposed, exposed they in got the help. report. They got help from AT&T, and he got help from someone else in the government. They Our sources are saying it's the NSA. Absolutely. That is exactly what I've been hearing, too, from my sources. So I just wanted to say I, I love them, but I really wish that they would jump as journalists more. I adore them, and I would have loved to see then break that story months before the impeachment hearing. I would have loved it. Again, it's not who breaks it. It's how effective it is, right? So I wanted to mention something on AT&T, and I'm going to take you back in time to an article I wrote about Dish Network. Now, the reason I wrote that is because President Trump tried to stop that monopoly. AT&T owns DirecTV. AT&T owns CNN. AT&T owns HBO. President Trump tried to stop them. And there was a judge in 2018 that ruled, no, 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 no. Just because they are 
taking over like this and this is a massive merger that you don't want, Trump. <laughs> Again, why is that judge still on a bench? I don't see them hiking up prices and monopolizing the area. Well, how many of you out there are Dish Network customers or any network customers that suddenly can't get your local channels, can't get HBO, right? A lot of you. See, President Trump tried to stop that. But when all your agencies, even your FCC, and everyone is working against you, how do you fix that? Do you see what I'm trying to say? He knows. He definitely knows. Pretty sure he can see it, too. So it's a wiretap, right? Shouldn't be a surprise that when the president tweeted, where is the whistleblower, I quickly responded that according to my sources, the whistleblower may actually be a wiretap. The president tweeted two days later with, there is no whistleblower. My source can be publicly writing and tweeting about it for the last two years now. Obviously, the president knows about it. And just so you know, that's true. If I've been talking about it, the president knows about it. But here's where it gets really good. Here's where you're going to hear CNN talking. You're going to be like, what? I'm just going to play the end, uh, you know, three minutes of this. I urge you to go to her YouTube channel, Millennial Millie, and take a look at this video. She's done such a good job reporting it. We need more reporters like that, honestly, guys. Because the 702 upstream data collection system has gone rogue. Why do we have global private security firms that are operating in Beijing and Washington and Baghdad at the same time? And, and this is an entirely taxpayer-fueled entity. And everyone's entire collection of electronic communications are now accessible by an international intelligence consortium created by the retired spy chief globally. Yes, you, Global Strategies Group, but we will come back to you soon enough. A lot of this is done in a very hidden way. It's a very murky world. We had to sift through a lot of corporate records to find this corporate structure to figure out that Global Strategies Group, for example, is uh, registered in Luxembourg, not in England. Remember my story about how me and Brennan got into it in Luxembourg right outside that office? Just saying. So this actual um, clip is from something that I had archived uh, from 2013 and got lost in the shuffle, I guess, <laughs> when, NBC, when CNBC like purged and vamped their news site. It was like archived in a corner they couldn't find to scrub. But, you know, maybe there's some people that know how to categorize them like that. So this guy that you're listening to is on CNBC talking about Brennan's Chinese connections, okay? Uh, there are subsidiaries of subsidiaries. Some of these companies are spun out, go public, go private again. Uh, it's kind of hard to keep track of them, and therefore they're easily lost in the shuffle. That might be an advantage, right, if you're in the intelligence mm -hmm. game. What I'm demonstrating is not only is there a rogue source of intelligence, but there is another source of intelligence, something further in the background than the NSA, than the GSG that hasn't been made public yet, that I can neither confirm or deny, that my source and the president may be working through to take down the deep state.
Remember when President Eisenhower warned about the military-industrial complex? In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists. We must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific, technological elite. You don't think he may have set up something else in secret to monitor them, do you? On August 31st, 1960, Secretary of the Air Force Dudley Sharp, on orders from President Eisenhower, established the Office of Missile and Satellite Systems to direct the Air Force Satellite Reconnaissance Program. Officially established the management arrangements for the National Reconnaissance Program, which consolidated space and aerial reconnaissance projects under a covert National Reconnaissance Office. They are silent sentinels. They look and listen from the cold reaches of space. They capture signals and images critical to America's intelligence community, and much more. They are the satellites of the National Reconnaissance Office. America's eyes and ears in space. And Space Force is just a coincidence. Which is why President Bill Clinton had them declassified in 1999. And here's where I'm going to direct you again to go to Millie's YouTube. Because when you see this part, you will see a document that was from top secret to special handling that when you see the unredacted portions, you'll see two sections, figure B and figure A. Actual situation, apparent situation. And it shows the chain of command. So the chain of command in the actual situation has the president at the top and some odd agency group that goes above everyone else and feeds only to the president. Doesn't even feed back to the Secretary of Defense, the CIA, the NRO, or anything. It's called Policy Control 5412. Just a hint. So in the actual situation, let me skip. Gosh darn it, those commercials really catch up on me. We're going to go right through them. So in the actual situation, there's an agency that is a complete back channel to all of them. Above the Department of Defense, above even the public-facing NRO, above the director and the CIA, that feeds directly into the president. Just saying, just saying. And you could see it with your own eyes. Now let's continue with her clip. But what the deep state didn't know then, but has probably figured out now, that declassification didn't capture all of it. Why do you think Space Force has emerged in the middle of all of this? Are you ready for some of the biggest information drops? Are you ready for President Trump's Christmas present and New Year's resolution? Stay tuned. There is more to come. So we talked about that, right? We've talked about these back channels. We've talked about how this information warfare against the people was the last straw. Was not going to happen because timelines emerge 
And, you know, when you look at it through the looking glass, going through all these timelines, you find the one where you need to drop it into the center. So speaking of timelines, I want you to understand it. Imagine you're standing in front of a mirror. And as you're looking into the mirror, you see yourself. But if you look far enough, you could see another yourself and some other different type of environment or event. Here's the event that I was trying to tell you about about a week ago. But, you know, again, I apologize for not being on my game. It was beyond my control. Now, I introduced to you a very old picture of a woman that uh, is an integral part of why everything is going. CIA agent for 27 years, chief disguise officer with her husband, Tony Mendez. If you've seen the movie... Okay, before I continue it, I just wanted to say, speaking with a few people on there, like, yeah, 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 she's on Fox today. I was like, oh, she is. That was quick. I mean, usually when I see something flank out, it means they're ramping it up. It's exponentially growing. It means that something happened and they had built the foundations and something was being created that I hadn't seen. You know, when they're taping movies or making movies, right, we usually see them in the cinema, don't we? Don't we, when we go to the movies, see previews coming in 2019, coming in 2020, right? I didn't see this one. Now, even though everybody's telling me, oh, you know, she's promoting a book, that's why she was up on, you know, Fox. Mm, nope, she was doing something else, and they were really good at hiding it. Because this interview on value, value attainment was from July of 2019. Listen to her speak. Argo, he is the main character played by Ben Affleck. So, I've heard of CEOs, so what is a chief disguise officer? We would lie for a living, trying to keep our foreign agents safe. We used disguise everywhere in the world. And one of the first masks that came out of production turned me into a younger, better cost woman. Said, what's your like? And he said, well, let's take it to the White House. So I peeled off my face. It was really like it. He almost fell off the chair. You're a spy. How can you tell somebody else is a spy? We trained them not to look for surveillance, but to always assume they were there because they always were there. And they arrested a lot of them. And they executed a number of them. How does CIA control me not saying anything to anybody? So while I get to the right clip that I want to add, I want you guys to understand that nothing is coincidence. Nothing is coincidence. Everything has a, co has a reason. She's pushing her book, The Moscow Rules, Ken Russia, because Russia's a thorn in their side. Ah, those underground places... Okay, so what we're going to do is we're just going to listen to the Q&A here for a second. Got a green screen. Okay, this is the real view. That's the White House behind us. If you're watching close, you'll see the flag moving. So with that being said, our guest today, Jonah Mendes. Jonah, good to have you on the show with us. Good to be here. So what does it take to be a CIA agent? I mean, how do I become a CIA agent? If, I, if I'm growing up, I'm saying one day I want to be a CIA agent, how do I do it? You know, most of the CIA people I met didn't grow up wanting to be one. They all kind of, they came into it through all kinds of different doors. Um, the main motivation is a desire to serve your country. And they find very unique possibilities in working for the CIA. You're not working at GSA, you're not in the military, but you are supporting your country, 
uh, you're making a difference, you're doing a job that hopefully matters, and uh, if you get the right job, you probably can even enjoy doing it. Uh, the motivation varies person to person, but everybody that I've ever known that worked for the CIA treated it almost like it was a calling. Almost like a calling. They don't pop around to other jobs. They don't work there for three years and then go off to the next, mm. to the next job. Got it. They stay. They might move around within CIA, but they stay within CIA. Recruit me, or do I go apply and say, I'd like to work for you? Because, you know, there's this, for those who are not in the world, they wonder, is somebody coming out to recruit you, or is it you applying? Goes both ways. Okay. My husband, Tony, was, um, he was an artist working in Denver. He saw um, an ad in the paper, now this is years ago. It said an artist to work overseas. He's an artist. He's working at Mar Martin Marietta. He's doing wiring diagrams. He's drawing them uh, for harnesses for Titan II missiles. This is not art. He's an artist. He wants. So he replied to the uh, to the ad. It was the CIA. They wanted an artist. He's thinking, what what would they do with an artist? They need someone with exquisite hand-eye coordination to do some documents for them, to copy some things for them. You, can you mean fake documents to manufacture stuff? You can call it counterfeiting. You can call it forgery. But that's what he was really, really good at, and that's what they hired him for. And that's how he got into it? That's how he got into so it. So let me ask you, so when he went to the interview, at what point did he find out it's the CIA? The way he tells it, he's on the outskirts of Denver in a kind of seedy motel room with a guy who's actually wearing a hat, and the guy pulls up a bottle of bourbon and sets it on the table, pulls out a, 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 a book full of classified ads from the CIA, goes, you read it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure, but this is what they're looking for. They kind of knew then. So he knew kind of then that that's the case. He knew it wasn't just the U.S. government. He so at what point, so after that, is it kind of like either you accept or you don't? Is there a follow-up process to it? There's an enormous background investigation that is so slow and so mm, thorough that a lot of people just fall by the wayside. They can't wait. They can't wait that long. A year? Oh, it's one year. At least. So, so I sit down, I do an interview. After that, there's about... Let me tell you about this background investigation, okay? The background investigation is getting insurance. It's slotting in. It's changing your name on official documents without you knowing. Until one day you decide, I lost my birth certificate, or I lost this, I need to find this, or I need to renew my passport, or I'm just saying the things. Kind of like how they obfuscate criminals. Mm. There's a guy named Staten, Stanton Dodson that was arrested uh, in California yesterday for doing naughty deals, Ponzi schemes in North Dakota. Oh, total coincidence. Worked with a lot of big people here in the state of North Dakota. And, you know, on the documentation, it's like Joey Stanton Dodson, even though he always went by Stanton Dodson. Again, that name, those misspellings. A really big deal. About a year plus process of them accepting me. Very likely. It's what, what are some things they want to know about me? They want to know if you're um, if you're being sent by a foreign government. They want to know if you're really a patriotic American. Got they it. want to know if you have any criminal Got background. It. They want to know if you've ever been arrested for drugs. They want they'll go visit your neighbors, your teachers, your uh, your friends, parents. They'll check you out thoroughly, thoroughly calling references at talking to them in the most indirect way without bringing up the fact that it's going to be... One of my best friends told me years later, she said, you know, when you, 
when you were in Europe and uh, you've been gone a while, this man came and knocked on the door. He said, he's investigating you, she said, for the, for the government. And I told him, she said, what I knew. And, but she said, I thought maybe... Maybe you and he was a janitor or something. He wouldn't say where you were working. He wouldn't say what he was, what you were doing or what the work was. Just checking you out. Wow. Yeah. And I know you had a friend of yours that didn't know you were a CIA agent for 20 years, and she was hurt, apparently, that she found out later I on. Couldn't, I couldn't tell her. We, we talked all the time. And you still couldn't tell her? I couldn't tell her. Well, what you did, what you tell him? Independent. Independent what? Independent contractor? It, it, it depended on where I was it living. Depended. It depended it. on where I was living and what environment I was in, and then I could carve out a piece of it, and that's where I worked. So here in Washington, D.C., you could say the Pentagon. You could say State Department. Sometimes it's a fucking too, because if you already told me that you work at State Department, I'm not going to tell you that I do. Got it. If you're a heart surgeon, I'm not going to tell you I'm a heart surgeon, too. Got it. So you had to kind of feel your way. Got it. Got it. But you had to do that. How were you recruited? Mine is, uh, mine is boring. I married uh, my first husband who worked for the agency. I didn't know that he worked for the agency until right before the wedding. We got married in Switzerland. Then we went to the Far East, and I needed a job. So I got a job with the CIA at the station. And we came back home, and I got another job. I just kind of segued into it. Worked your way up. So the first reaction when he told you I'm a CIA agent, what was that like? I was from Wichita, Kansas. I don't think I even know what the CIA was back then. Got it. Yeah. Got it. It didn't register. So you and your husband, you were 27 years CIA. He was 52 years. That's, he was 25 years. That's combined 27 years. How is it being married to a CIA agent where both of you are CIA agents? Perfect. Is it really? <laughs> it wasn't. Because we, we each understood yeah. what the other one was doing. But we still couldn't necessarily talk about everything we were doing. So I know um, I was, uh, I never say where, where I worked. I was in the subcontinent. I came home. He said, tell me about that thing you're doing. This is my boss. He's my boss back then. I said, well, I can't tell you. Who, your husband was your boss back then. He wasn't my husband. He was just my boss. He was two tiers up, my boss. He said, tell me about that. I said, I can't tell you about it. You're not on the list. You know? I told him later, if I had known I was going to marry you years and years and years later, I would have maybe told you. <laughs> you told him that. I did. Do you trust him? Do you trust being married to a CIA agent? Like, because they know they're a fellow like you as well. How do you handle that? That's really one of the key questions when you're working. Yeah. It's one of the real compliments you can give a colleague. You can say, I would work with you. I would work with you. You know, we go off to far-flung places and, and where there's, there's really no support and where everything you need, you have to have it with you. You have to pack that bag. You have to trust that person to, to have your back. Mm -hmm. It's a very symbiotic kind of relationship to say, I trust you. I would work with you. It's a big deal. We and a big vulnerability. Now, I'm going to play a clip just so that you can see how they get in on things, how they do things, how they operate on things, and how they push things. Uh, it was pretty uh, incredible when I saw it go live today on Twitter and trending today on Twitter because I was like, well, hold on a second. Just so happened she was on yesterday just so happens that this is kind of being pushed, and it was out there from September. Good 
time to introduce myself. Just three ounces of pressure to the vagus nerve, and then look at your boy, Sleepy Night Night. Lance Sterling, a legendary spy who's always dressed to impress. Walter Beckett, graduated MIT at 15 and works in the Tech Innovations Lab. There are so many gadgets I want to test in the field. For example, look. Kind of a personal protection device I've been developing. Before I continue it, did you hear how this 15-year-old is working in a lab? Another hint for tomorrow's show. This is a vile waste of taxpayer dollars. Your next objective. None of our agents can get close to him. It's called biodynamic concealment. Imagine if I can make you disappear. Hey, Lance, look at me. I can see my butt and your face at the same time. That is so cool. Being a pigeon can make you an even better spy. Pigeons are everywhere and nobody notices them. In fact, pigeons can see in slow motion. Did anyone else see a, um, a, a pigeon? And pigeons can fly up to 92 miles per hour? Don't you throw me off this! Oh! He'll figure it out. All right, come on. Starting. It's about to get messy. Time to go. Flippy night night! show spies in disguise <laughs> such a coincidence to come out now all by disney pretty incredible isn't it it is incredible you know it's so incredible that this is well is it disney i think it says uh from fox i'm gonna retweet it so you guys can see it yourself Oops. I'm going to try to retweet it without volume for you guys. And it's not being my friend, so we're not going to do that because my computer is acting funny anyway. Now, disguise. So we hear about children a lot. We hear about children being used, right, being abused being parted, literally. But we never hear about the children that they handpick or create. That is going to be the theme for tomorrow. Because in every aspect and facet of life, Youth is the most malleable. Our brains up until the day our telomeres turn naked and we begin to deteriorate, 
are plastic. They grow, they connect, and they mesh. When I had my children, I made sure to expose them to different sounds, different languages, different foods. None of my kids have allergies. I fed them eggs, bee pollen, tomatoes, even though they would go red and rash, right? I just give them a little bit. From the minute that they could take something semi-solid to build that immune system and work that magic. But their ears and their eyes and their palates, all their, their earthly senses, had to be tickled, right? You had to make sure you expose them to a lot of sounds and accents so that way they can learn or understand or be able to mimic when they grow older. They mimic you when they speak. So exposing my kids to television shows from other countries constantly, even for languages they don't speak fluently, so I had them exposed to Korean, to Chinese, to Arabic, to Russian, everything. And I would speak to them in any language I could. Actually, my eldest, she would answer me when she was, you know, around the, between the ages of three and four. She would answer me in a language that I don't even master for certain things, like the way she would say yes or the way she would say no, it would be in a different language, you know, completely. I don't speak Russian, but she'd say nyet, because that is what our game was. We would use different languages to respond, because children are very malleable. And this is why usually adults that have been victim of trauma, it affects them as they grow older because the things that happen to you when you're younger define your strengths and your weaknesses. And this is hitting a little bit close to home, so I'm going to shift a little bit. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Um, so this queen of disguise is all over the television for the past six months talking about how, you know, she would do makeup and how, you know, people are in masks, how people aren't who they seem to be. And that's really important. Listen to this portion of the interview so you understand where I'm going with this. Um, yeah. Questions and rely. So you're saying we didn't question, neither did we rely on it. The media had nothing. We were working for them. We weren't providing them information. We were, we were a conduit to the policy. Politics also didn't really play a part. When I was working, I didn't really know the politics of the people I was working with. It wasn't part of the conversation. It didn't come up. And I think people weren't as, as polarized into their positions then, so it wasn't an issue. It was... Everybody went out and voted, but we never asked anybody who they voted. You volunteer, what you do wasn't a conversation thing. So I've heard of CEOs, chief executive officer, chief marketing officer, chief operating officer. What is a chief disguise officer? Ah, it was a great job. Chief of disguise at the CIA was um, had a worldwide staff, had people positioned, employed like the military does, so they could respond very, very quickly. Had a big budget, a robust budget. 
Um, we use disguise everywhere in the world, but we used it in Moscow in different ways because it was such a difficult place to work. Um, it drove a lot of our technology. Moscow did. Yeah. How, to, how to defeat Moscow. My husband, Tony, um, had started some R&D on, on masks early on, 10 years before me, when he was in disguise. I, when I came into disguise, that was starting to produce some fruit. And one of the first masks that came out of production was, was for me. It was an African-American man. It looked good. It looked bad gloves. So I showed it to my office director. We took it to the head of CIA, Bill Webster. He said, oh, my God, let's take it to the White House. I said, I can't. It looks good, but I can't, you know, I can't really walk it and talk it. This is not realistic. Just to show you the capability. He said, well, then go make one that you can wear. So we did. Uh, second one that turned me into a younger, prettier, better coughed um, woman. I loved this mask. I, I wanted to take it home, when I, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> so um, Judge Webster liked it, and he said, well, let's take it to the White House. I said, I don't have any idea. I have nothing. He said, don't worry. Just, you know, come with me. And so we did. I went to his house. Uh, I was met at the door by the judge and his dog. The dog didn't like me, barked at me incessantly. I went in the powder room. I put on the mask. I got everything right. Came out. Dog loved me. They say dogs don't like hats, but evidently dogs like masks. So we went to the White House. We got stuck outside the office because they were going long. And there was like a 10-minute hmm, period that was, I was a little paranoid. I'd never worn one of these masks before in public, and you get nervous. Nobody paid any attention, of course, uh, so I relaxed. We went, in the, we went in the Oval Office. There was a circle of us, Brent Stokoft, Bob Gates, John Sununu, Judge Webster, me, and another briefer, and I went first. I was the first one. So I showed him some photographs of disguises we had done for him when he was chief of disguise. He said, you, you might remember these. He did. I said, so I'm here to show. All right, so that's where I'm going to stop it because the show's ending. But what did she tell Bush? Oh, you might remember these when you were chief of disguise. Uh-oh. Slip. That Bush 41 was the chief of disguise? Did you guys know that dogs like masks? <laughs> Who are the dogs? See, that's the interesting part of things. Tomorrow we're going to talk about kids. Something the CIA likes to call Operation Santa Claus. Mm. Do you trust anything the CIA does? A judge heading the CIA? Are you paying attention to what I'm telling you right now? I told you Schiff is CIA, didn't I? Anyone going to refute that? Obviously not, because it's fact. Operation Santa Claus. Interesting, huh? Something the CIA loves. And I told you this, so that way you can look and see how they do it in your face. It's like they knew. Because I was waiting for it, because they're listening, and they're what? Saying we know? 
I'm going to retweet this right now. Look what they did at 10.36 a.m. They knew. They knew. 10.36 a.m. My time, 11.36, a few minutes before my show. Like they knew. Operation Santa Claus. Do you believe that's a coincidence? Children. Young children. 19-year-olds flanking high officers. 14-year-olds getting master's degrees. 15-year-olds in laboratories of the CIA. Sounds And like I've told you, hand-picked. I once told my story how I was hand-picked. I think it was on the Hagman Report. Three years ago, maybe? Four? Three, four years ago? Don't remember. Sting. CPS kidnap. Medical. How do they just decide that they're going to come and take your kid when you go to the hospital for a checkup? Or once you give birth, too. Not saying if you're a drug addict or anything like that. I'm saying how do they just pick random people? There's stories of people that just gave birth. They have the white picket fence the dog, and they just had their kid, and suddenly CPS takes their baby, and they're in court, and they never see their kid again. Genetics. That is something we're going to be discussing tomorrow. It's going to be after uh, I put my turkey in the oven, and while it's cooking, we're going to be talking. It's after presents are open, and we're going to be talking, because it's all about children and banding. Knowledge is power. And they don't want you to have it. But they do it in your face. They're telling the world what avenue to take today. And they launched this six months ago. Ah, it was so in tune. Merry Christmas to all. I hope that you're blessed with many more healthy and happy Christmases to come in your life. God bless all of you. From all of us here at Red State Talk Radio. See you tomorrow. Merry Christmas.